Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 29 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, are we losing the ability to speak to each other in the workplace? The rise of WhatsApp, Messenger and texting seems to have leaked into the business space and fewer people seem to be willing to just pick up the phone or even have a face-to-face conversation. Paul, change has been coming for quite the while, but it seems increasingly more and more people are averse to just having a conversation. Yeah, sometimes things uh, go full circle and you move away from something and you ultimately find yourself coming back to where you started from. And it was this was this point here of the the power of oral communication was uh, I was sort of forced to actually think about it when I was asked to write a piece uh, the other day. Uh, Janet Dutton has been doing something quite interesting where through the pandemic, she uh, she owns some uh, Tim Hortons uh, shops in Saskatoon and through the pandemic got this this notion of coffee and talk and getting together and all of that stuff. So as the pandemic began to wind down, she thought I should get together with people that I have hooked up with on LinkedIn. So we do that. We connect with people and try to build networks that way. But she took it a step further and I was quite, I found it really quite refreshing was it's great to be hooked up with you on LinkedIn, but you know, what if I just set out was her mission to have coffee, uh, which is logical for a coffee shop owner to have coffee with someone I had never met before, but had hooked up with on LinkedIn. So, you know, she's into the, you know, approaching like a hundred of these things now, and it's really become quite fascinating. I know she's learning a lot from it, but uh, as one of the participants in it, it got me thinking, and then she's going to kind of capture some of these ideas in a written form as well. So I was asked to contribute to that, and it made me, it forced me really to start thinking about what about all of this business, and what about the power of the oral conversation? And here's some of the observations that kind of sprung to mind for me. One was, it's primal. And we talk long before anyone's scratched any pictograms on the side of a, of a cave wall, we were sitting around the fire talking and it probably was a rudimentary sort of form of language in those days. I wasn't around to check, even though some people think I am that old, but uh, you know, it, it, it is very primal. So, you know, even like little children, they learn how to talk long before they learn how to, develop the motor skills to wield a mighty HB pencil around. And so it, it is where we start. It is really uh, basic and it is the original and primary form of human communication. And, and it's what sets us apart from others, uh, other members of the animal kingdom. I mean, they all have oral noises that they make, whether they communicate or not. Well, that's well beyond my purview, but I just know that we do as humans and we've evolved many versions of this language so it's kind of intriguing that there's that many uh, forms of communicating this way but it's just this whole notion of the power of of oral conversation and you know as i watch what's going on with the arrival of technology your point at the very beginning is 
we have moved away from that oral communication, but I do sense people are coming back uh, to it a little bit. And, and really because of clarity, and it's simply because it's been around so long, it is the clearest, most well-evolved and developed form of communication. Uh, you know, I get frustrated. I remember speaking to a group of realtors in Saskatoon and, uh, you know, the only advice I had for the crowd was there were young people or old people. I mean, there's just people in the profession. It was, as you'd expect, a full demographic waterfront there. And I said to the old people, you know, to you old ones who've been in the game for 30 years or something, learn something about social media. You need to learn how to use that platform. And to you young people, answer the phone. I mean, if there's anything that's frustrating, it's phoning someone and they send a text back and said, see, you called, what do you want? Well, if I wanted to just text you, I would have texted you in the first place. I actually want to talk to you. How frustrating is that? And they'd rather not do it. And, and so there's a little exercise that you can put yourself through. And here's, here's where I come to this word clarity, because we can put a proper or correct string of words together in a written form. But that doesn't necessarily communicate context or intent. So here's a little exercise. We do this when we do media training. And when we talk to people about presentation skills, this is the oral version of it. It brings so much more clarity. Just think of these words. I didn't say you did it. So you take those, and if you go through those same words and you put emphasis on a different word each time, you get a different context. So the first one is, I didn't say you did it. Second time, I didn't say you did it. I didn't say you did it, and, and on and on, as you see what happens here. And so you put the proper words down in a text, and yes, the words are correct, but did you convey the message? And this is why people get you know, sort of torqued or angry when they get emails or they get text messages because they put the emphasis on a different word than the reader or the writer, I mean. And so uh, as much as it's possible to do, not all of us is Mark Twain, and we can't write as effectively as that. And what's we're hearing in our head when we put something down on paper or on the screen isn't necessarily what someone is going to hear in their head when they read it. And this is my point, that oral language still is, you know, tentative and boring and hard and all of that stuff, and that you often say things you don't mean to because you, you don't have it all written down. But it also is still remarkably clarifying. And in my view, it's simply because it's so basic. It's so primal. It's that it's the one we've been doing since the beginning. And so for young people, uh, the advice is, yeah, texting is great for conveying information, but it's not great for communicating, if that makes any sense. I will add to that. There is a key piece to this, which is intent versus perception. What I intended to say and what you perceive as what I have said in writing, it is a far more gray area because we as people reading something will easily jump to a conclusion we can't see hear someone's tone of voice we can't see someone's face and and the such like and the other part of that is that when you just have a conversation with someone there is the immediacy of the follow-up contextualization or the follow-up question which then adds that context and it's all incredibly 
um, uh, important. But one of the things that really concerns me, and this is a study that I was involved in back in 2017, we did a story on this, 2017, I'm getting my decades wrong, 2007, time is going so quickly. Back then we did this um, study and it was about as people age into being leaders within an organization, is their cultural culture changing around being text first? And it isn't. So it's becoming more pervasive that middle management and increasingly owners of companies, as we're now <laughs> a long way from uh, 2007, are also working so heavily around written material and an and element of that from when we did this story back in 2007 was because people wanted to evidence what they were doing because the culture in the organization meant that they had to prove themselves so there's another element that clearly comes into this yeah there's work product uh, basically look at all the words i've crafted and put together in a string here and uh so obviously I've been working and uh, diligently at that and thinking too, but you know, the notion of clarity is where I keep coming back to this and that just think, have you ever read the stuff that lawyers produce? I mean, it is just mind numbing, but that is the result of people trying to create clarity in the written word. And it is just mind boggling. And we, reduced it to what they call boilerplate now. I mean, we even have terms for it, but you know, you get these contracts that are 60 pages long and stuff that I wonder, you know, just actually how many times are actually read from front to back. But I remember a friend of mine used to say he'd get, you know, contract from government or a big, big corporation. And he would just arbitrarily go through and strike out paragraphs and, and, you know, put big red marks through and box them, initial them. And he said, you'd be shocked the number of times that, you know, the other side hadn't even read them. They hadn't initialed them. They just signed them. And uh, so, it, you know, it, this is man's best effort, humanity's best effort at trying to create clarity of the written word. And it's called legalese. So when I come back to the oral thing, uh, I mean, we've had histories passed on uh, orally and uh, you know there's really something to it i i had an experience that was well somewhat moving actually where i had uh, the opportunity to travel with cameco uh, the uranium company in saskatoon and years ago uh, they had won a bid a global bid to develop a gold mine in kyrgyzstan which is a uh, former soviet satellite in a small country that had this, this big gold deposit halfway up a mountain is at 14,000 feet. And so they put out an RFP effectively uh, to the world and Cameco, a non-gold mining company, submitted, but did it on the basis of their success in northern Saskatchewan and uranium mining. So they said, we're miners, we can get the mining people, we can get that part figured out. But here's what else we will do. We will we'll work with your ag community and we'll improve your farming techniques. So they worked then with the Saskatchewan agriculture sector. They got a hold of some guys in Estevan and uh, they took a crew over there to service old oil wells in Kyrgyzstan that were not producing very much. And they basically said, we will do a training program for your people. So they will actually will create jobs here. We won't just parachute everything in. And so they won the day on the basis of that. So when it came time to announce the opening of the, uh, or the commencement of the building of the, the mines, 
processing plant. Uh, they took a bunch of us over there and, and uh, you know, I got to go as a reporter to cover the story. And so we're, we're there and, and we go to a dinner that night uh, to celebrate everything at the presidential dacha in uh, Bishkek. And Ralph Goodale was the minister of uh, natural resources for Canada at the time. And he was there and foreign affairs Canada had prepared this absolutely spectacular speech for him. Uh, talking about the Kyrgyz people and something called the Manas, which was a, uh, a history of the Kyrgyz people going back a millennium. And so this happened to be the thousandth anniversary of the Manas. So for the first 900 years of their history, it was passed on orally. Only in the last hundred had it been captured in written form. And they had done it uh, similar to the Iliad. It was a, a long poem-like uh epic and they when goodale presented they were so taken it was really quite an, an experience to be at this dinner they were so amazed that the canadians even knew about the manas they knew the history and that uh, the foreign affairs folks that wrote the speech did just a magnificent job for us and and uh, it was it won the day and as it turns out the um the hero of the Kyrgyz people was a character. I don't know the name, but I mean, it was someone who was a sort of a Robin Hood style kind of uh, character and had a weapon, a crossbow. So unlike Robin Hood who had the longbow, this guy had the crossbow. And, uh, you know, at the end of the evening and we left the next morning, uh, we got to the airport to depart. And overnight, the Kyrgyz government had commissioned some folks. I don't know who they got, but they made each of us and, uh, and they put a little plaque on them with our names on them and the date and everything, a crossbow for each of us. So, you know, it was like, this is the power of, of oral presentation. You know, I mean, everything was going along great. It was just sort of two parties marking a commercial event, but it got moved into an emotional and kind of uh, community-based event or more of a, there was way more huma humanity involved in this than there was mining activity. And it moved everybody. And so in recognition of that sort of recognition that the Canadians gave the Kyrgyz, uh, they wanted to do something special. I mean, we had an interesting challenge now as we were getting on an airplane to uh, go to first to Frankfurt and then home with a weapon. Each of us had a weapon. So uh, we, we ended up actually leaving them behind and they did all the processes that were required to, to ship them. And so three months later, uh, you know, everybody got their crossbow, but uh, it was, it, but you know, this speaks about the power of this oral presentation and how it resonates. And had they given us, well, they did give us a copy of the Manas. It's a two page or a two volume book. Well, frankly, didn't get through it all, you know, didn't read it all, but uh, do I know the story? Yeah, absolutely. Why do I know the story? Because it was given to me orally. Paul, I, that is probably the best example of how storytelling can move from beyond the written word in onto you know being a real experience and why the satisfaction when we get 
people in for media training, communications training, etc. When they walk out the door and they see the night and day of reading something and just parroting it and actually breathing and living the words and and reading the room, it's just two different experiences. It is, and you know, uh, Hollywood's really good at this. I mean, they they make it. It's a visual, but there's also an oral thing. And I, this is one of the things that's always struck me, is if you close your eyes and you hear, you know. Well-renowned movie actors, male or female, uh, you know their voices. So the ones that become famous are not just famous for their look or appearance, but also their sound. And you know, in this age and era of animated movies, uh, voice acting becomes like it's mainstream, right? It's big-time stuff. And I took my grandchildren to watch a, an animated film on the weekend at the movie theater, and I'm challenging myself through the whole thing to identify the voices behind the characters. I only nailed one. Uh, the rest of them, I guess, I'm just outside that hip hop circle or something. But anyway, I did get Lily Singh, so good, uh, so good for me. But uh, and she was the newscaster. Maybe that, uh, maybe that, that's where it came from. But you know, the point here is that. We know the lines. They were all in a script. Show me the money. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. These lines do not become famous until they're uttered, right? They are written down somewhere, just as that story of the Kyrgyz people is now written down so you don't lose the facts and the sort of chronology and string of it. But it is the oral presentation of it that makes it so powerful. 100%. Paul, Thank you so much for this one. It's been a pleasure to uh, to talk on this. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share the insights that power Saskatchewan with friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.